Lord God, thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for the chance just to celebrate together as a community this morning. Thank you for the chance to gather and just to, to remind each other what this Christmas season is all about. Lord, I pray that you would just be, continue to be very present in this place, that anything that's of me would be quickly forgotten, and that anything that's of you would stick to our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. We are continuing our Christmas series on God's gift to us, and we're kind of going over some of the things that God brings to us. Uh, the gift of faith is what Mark talked about last week, the gift of love, the gift of joy, the gift of peace, are the things we'll be covering in this series. And if you missed last week where Mark talked about the gift of faith, I really encourage you to go back and check it out. One of the things that he used the equation for was he talked about going to Disney World with his family and how they got these wristbands and how they had access to just everything in the park because of these wristbands. And really because of God's work on the cross, because of what they did for us, we have access to so much more than what we're living in on a regular basis. And these are gifts that God has poured out on us that we're probably only scraping the surface of what we're experiencing. You know, some of the things he mentioned last week is Jesus is the one who gives us access to everything. And everything is free to us, but it's actually, that doesn't mean it's cheap. You know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks a lot about the difference between cheap grace and free grace. You know, like, to treat it like something that was very, very costly. What we get to experience, these gifts that were given to us at Christmas, cost a great price. They cost Jesus everything. And so when we talk about them, we don't want to talk about them lightly. Even though they're free to us, they came at great cost. And that the ones we're talking about this morning and in this series, faith, love, joy, peace, are only part of the things that he's given us. Hope, grace, forgiveness, power. God has given us so much. And these are just some of the things that we're going to cover this series. And this morning, we're going to be talking about the gift of love. And the gift of love should be super easy to talk about in the Christmas season because we're all just feeling love from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to bed, right? Because it's Christmas. Shopping makes everybody happy and excited. Traffic is fantastic around Towson. I love it uh, this time of year. Um, nothing I enjoy more than it being dark at 445 at night. I mean, I, I'm really excited about that. Um, no, I'm kidding. But love is obviously supposed to be such a core part of this season. But do we actually kind of experience this day in and day out, you know, um, I can tell you my neighborhood could use a little bit more infusion of love. I, um, this, ha- this is a true story that happened to me the other day. I know people think I make these things up, but I don't know why these things happen to me. Maybe so I can tell them in this way. But I'm actually coming home from Cadoba. I got myself a little quesadilla and some chips and uh, queso. I'm really excited to have a nice little lunch in the middle of my day the other day. And I'm driving down the road, and I see one of my neighbors holding a dog above his head while a couple pit bulls like, are jumping around him, kind of biting in the air at it. And I think, that doesn't look healthy. Um, so I kind of pull over, and I turn back around. I start swinging around to kind of see if I can help in some way, shape, or form. And I roll down my window because they're pit bulls. I'm about to start from the car, see if there's something, anything I can do for you, something I can call. <laughs> no, I roll down my window, and he immediately, I guess, assumes that I am the owner of these two dogs and starts talking to me accordingly. Get these dogs, I'll clean it up a lot. Get these dogs off of me, <laughs> okay? Um, I'm trying to talk back in a normal voice. He's not hearing me in the midst of the scene. Get these dogs off of me. He keeps yelling and yelling. Get your dogs off of me is what he's yelling. And so I, I, I finally just, the only way I can communicate is to yell back. So I finally just say, they're not my dogs. <laughs> I scream at the top of my lungs from my car. I'm just trying to help. Is there something I can do? <laughs> <laughs> and he's like, and this draws the pit bull's attention to me. So the one starts circling the car, and the other takes a running start, and I kid you not, jumps through my car window and lands on the seat next to me, destroying my chips. <laughs> they are just crushed. 
And he like lands on the seat next to me. I am stunned and out of just a gut reaction, shove him back at the window. <laughs> so he's like kind of like going like this, like towards the window, realizes he's on food. So he's more interested about the food and I'm able to shove him back out the window. And he just goes back out the window and they continue to circle my car. And I put my window halfway up so that now I can talk without the dogs jumping through. In the midst of all this, my neighbor gets his dog back in the house and comes back, but he's holding something behind his back. And I don't like the way this is looking, so I keep my windows farther up. <laughs> and he's like, these aren't your dogs. I'm like, they're not my dogs. He's like, well, they come near me again. And he shows me he's holding a knife, like a giant knife. I'm like, do not stab a dog in my presence. <laughs> like, let's, let's calm down. Like, let's calm down. At this point, the owner of one of the dogs comes out, and the two of them share a very friendly conversation about what just took place. And the woman actually gathered her dog and like ran from this guy as he's yelling at her and brandishing a knife in the middle of the street on a Tuesday afternoon at like 12. It's the Christmas season. <laughs> Tis the time for love and joy and peace, right? Um, man, I wish I had been better equipped to handle the situation because I just ended up kind of like driving away feeling like I should have been some kind of hope or balance or something in this situation but I really didn't know how to handle it, you know? And, like, and I, I don't know, hopefully that doesn't happen to you, but I'm sure you experienced some of the tension and the drama and people at the end of the rope in this season as opposed to just experiencing the things that we're meant to experience. You know, I think how we experience love around the holidays, hopefully in a loving environment where these are the ways we kind of experience love, gifts that people give to us. And, you know, that's not just because we are materialistic, but hopefully they're meaningful things that people thought about and put time into and we give gifts to each other, which is a beautiful way to celebrate the holiday. Time with family and loved ones is a, a treasure time, should be, right? And it should be a great warmth and moment in these holidays. And of course, there's Hallmark movies to bring all the joy out of why you want to leave the rat race and move to a small town and run a gift shop. Like, you know, so, and 18 different variations of that story that you can watch on Hallmark. Um, but, you know, it's, um, there are moments that we hopefully kind of get in tune with love, but the reality is it feels like it's still lacking. Family can be less than a perfect expression of love. And I think we kind of go into the season with such expectations of it filling something in us, and we often feel very disappointed by the reality of how it plays out, Right? Or like we feel missed or unseen. Maybe the person got you white socks and that wasn't the gift that you had subtly hinted at for the last three months about what you wanted. I think it's an easy time to feel like we're just missed. Like, does anybody really know me or see me? And in that season, it can kind of be put on display when we, when we feel that that's lacking. And honestly, statistics point to the fact that this is one of the loneliest seasons that people go through. And I think that happens both when we're single, when we're in families. It's just, it's just a lonely season. And it's not meant to be a lonely season because what are we celebrating, right? We're celebrating a gift of love from God, and yet we kind of feel so detached from that in so many ways. So how do we kind of connect that? What does it mean to receive the gift of love this Christmas season? That's what we really want to unpack this morning. If God has given us a gift of love, how do we receive that in this Christmas season? You know, first of all, how, we're going to ask the question, how is Jesus the gift of love? Well, he himself is a gift to us. And, you know, and, the, and I think the first thing we're going to talk about is that the incarnation was an act of pure love. Jesus leaving heaven to come to earth was fully motivated by love for us. And you know, we're going to look a lot at um, the author, John, who's one of his close disciples. John refers to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved. A lot of people think that might be kind of arrogant, you know, like to go around calling yourself the one that Jesus loved. It might just be that he's very, very in touch with reality. You know, in the sense that he knew how deeply loved he was. And he writes from that place. And he writes with awareness. But I, I would think if we all had an understanding of how God feels about you, you would go around calling yourself the one that God loves. It's a change of our whole identity. 
It's a change of our whole identity to say that God loves me. That means that becomes the most true thing about me. And John was very, very aware of that. And he writes a lot about love in multiple books. But this is how he starts his, his version of the gospel. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth." This is the heart behind Jesus coming to the earth. And I think this is powerful to think about this. The world was made through him, and it did not recognize him. Can you imagine you carefully and poured out love, intimately built and spoke and molded a creation into being, and then you come to tell them how much you love them, and they don't even get you? You think that someone knows what it's like to feel loneliness and to experience that? The maker of the, the earth, the one who knit it together to be a family, experienced not being known, not being accepted, not being loved in this world. And yet, he comes and he <laughs> reorients the whole idea of what family is. A new father, a father that we're all united under, where we're all siblings, and he brings a whole different definition of love. It's important that we don't miss the core motivation when we talk about of God, when we talk about Christmas. John goes on to say it a couple, a couple chapters later. Jesus kind of gives his thesis statement for why he's there. In John 3, 16, one of the most common phrases, one of the most common verses that we use. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It's the, this is Jesus standing up and saying, this is why I'm here. This is it. I've come so the world may be saved. I've come because God loved this world so much he was not ready to give up on it. And that is the core motivation. of When we talk about love being poured out at the Christmas season, Jesus showing up here is the number one expression of that. The incarnation was God's recommitting ceremony to humanity. Think about this. Like, humanity had made a mess of things. His chosen people, who were supposed to be a light to the world, had fallen so far from what they were supposed to be that they were carried off into captivity and scattered across the world. You might just say, game over. Like that, hey, we gave it a good, good try, and these people cannot handle the responsibility I'm trying to share with them. They can't handle sharing in the work with me. They can't handle these things. But instead, he says, I'm, gonna, I'm doubling down on the mission, so much so that I'm going to put myself in human form and walk into the midst of their mess. And I'm going to deal with it, right? And here it is. He came to a world that was messy, and he inserted himself right into the mess to demonstrate once and for all how God feels about us. He walks into the mess and says, I can handle your mess. And he says to that every one of us individually this holiday season, he can handle your mess. He came into the midst of it. Right? And he didn't come to the cleanest parts of the world either. No, he came to the low parts. He came to the shepherds. He came to the poor. He came to the, like, the ones who were on the outcast of society. And he said, this will be the foundation of my family. The ones who feel on the outside, no, you're sitting at the head table. This is the message of Christmas. Goes on, and not only that, but he says this, they say that Paul says this in Romans. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. 
He comes to the ones who are a mess. He doesn't wait till we get it together. He doesn't wait till we clean it up. He comes and says, no, it's in your mess that I step into. This is where I belong. The healthy don't need the doctor. It's the sick. You're the ones I'm here for. So how is Jesus the gift of love? Well, first of all, the incarnation was an act of pure love. And secondly, Jesus enables us to love others. And I think we say this, see what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. Again, he's reestablishing a family, and that is what we are. He goes on to say this in John, for this is the message you heard from the beginning. We should love one another, okay? So love one another. You know, what does that look like in and of our own power? I think a lot of times when I kind of think about love, like we're made in the image of God, and so yes, we're built to love. But if I'm honest with myself, most of my love comes out very, very conditionally. I don't know if you can relate to this. I'm really good at loving people who love me. (laughs) I'm really good at that. People who chase me down the street with a knife, that's harder. (laughs) You know, that's literally harder. But like, you know, and I don't know about all of us, but like conditional love is such a byproduct of our society. It's just how we experience love. And most of us, from the time that we're young, we experience the love deeper when we're doing it right, and we feel less of it when we're doing it wrong, and we just don't know how to process that, so we end up just kind of replicating it. We replicate it in the way that we kind of love people in this world. We are very conditional in the way that we love. It's not what we're built to do, but it's what we end up doing. And we also, we tend to love the people that we choose to love. And there are just people that are easy for us to love, and there are people that are difficult for us to love. And honestly, if I'm really honest with myself, I feel like, you know, well, here's the message. This is John kind of elaborating on what we're called to do. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need and has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions or in truth. Here's kind of laying it out. What does love look like? It means pouring out yourself the way that Jesus poured out himself for others. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I hear that and it just feels like pressure. It feels like pressure. Like, man, not only am I feeling like a love deprivation in this season, but I'm kind of feeling like I'm failing at what I'm supposed to be kind of broadcasting the world. There's a lot of people in need, and I feel, how do I live up to that? How do I live up to that, right? Loving others can feel like a burden. And not only that, but loving Jesus requires great sacrifice. It really does. To model the life that Jesus lived requires great sacrifice. And we don't get to pick who we love anymore. If we're, if we're Christians, we show up at church and we're supposed to love our brothers and sisters. And like, oh man, all these people came? I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's honestly, like we don't pick our family anymore. Our family is here, right? And that's a, that can be a burden. But here's the thing. I feel it's our framework that needs to change because it's not a burden. Jesus didn't come to put more on top of us. He came to set us free. And I had this, and a lot of you have probably seen this this week, but there's this incredible picture of what being brought into like a new family looked like. And it was kind of went viral. And I feel like it's like, I watched it and I'm like, that's it. I mean, I'm gonna show, share with you in a second if you haven't seen it yet. But this young boy, Michael Carter Jr. was adopted in Michigan. Um, and they, you know, before they, they went to the adoption kind of process at the courthouse, I guess they had asked him, is there anybody you want to invite? Like, and he said, well, yeah, like he wanted to invite his entire kindergarten class because he said they were like his family. His entire kindergarten class, not like my three good friends, not like whatever. My whole kindergarten class is like my family and I want them to share in this moment with me. And I'm sure the parents probably said, sure, we can invite them, but they're not going to really come. Well, they took a whole field trip and the entire kindergarten class came to the courthouse to watch him be adopted. 
And you know, I thought this was such a powerful story, especially because when you think about Horizon, we have such a rich legacy here of so many foster families right here in our midst and people who pour out their lives to love others and have, some have even gone from fostering to adoption. And it's this beautiful picture of not choosing who you love because you get placed with someone. But what that does to reorient your family when you have a Christ-centered heart behind that. Let's just watch this together because I think it's such a beautiful picture. Finally, the kindergartner, America Strong. Five-year-old Michael Orlando Clark Jr. smiling right there. He's about to be adopted. And right behind him in this Kent County, Michigan courtroom, Michael's entire kindergarten class holding their hearts from Wealthy Elementary School in East Grand Rapids. Michael invited them all, their smiling faces filling the courtroom, vouching for that new son, his best friend, Stephen. My name's Stephen, and Michael's my best friend. Lily, too. My Waving those hearts, it was time. It is ordered, Michael, that your forever mom and dad will be David Andrew Eaton and Andrea Louise Melvin. The whole courtroom ready. One, two, three. <laughs> and afterward, Michael holding the mic for his new dad, David. But there was something Michael wanted to add. The workers there have just been amazing. They... And I love my daddy. That, wow, I love my daddy so much. This is just too much. This is just too much. Um, yeah, it's been amazing, obviously, how supportive they've all been. I love been. my daddy too much. Michael is loved too by his new parents and his entire class holding their hearts. We love Michael. How do you beat that? Good night. Or like family. Man, if that doesn't kind of move you on like a deep level, you know, it's a, imagine a little boy brimming with love because he has been loved so deeply. Because of the depth to which he's been loved, he doesn't care who's there with him because they're easy for him to love because he feels it so deeply in his bones about how loved he is, right? I mean, how powerful is that? And it makes me kind of think, It's as if love deeply transforms us and transforms what family should mean to us, right? Are people a burden to you? Maybe we need to drink a little deeper of how loved we are, right? Because we're not a burden to God. Jesus didn't go around saying, man, that guy's too much. That guy's annoying. I'll hang out with them, right? No. Come to me. Come to me. Come and be home. Come and be a part of the family. And when you're a part of the family, you're deeply loved, And that kind of love should radically transform us on such a deep soul level that it stops feeling like a burden to love others. It stops feeling like a burden to pour out our lives. And if it is feeling like a burden, if you're in a season of fatigue, then step back and drink from the fountain of source of love in our lives because he just wants to give you more. He wants to give you more. (sighs) The third way that God's gift of love is a love to us, is that it changes the nature of our love. It changes the quality of our love. We're going to really kind of unpack this passage here. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, 
but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit and we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Is that not kind of convicting? It just kind of wraps up exactly what we're talking about. Because God has loved us, he sets this chain of motion and work in our lives, right? The transformation starts deep inside because when we start to know who we are and how deeply loved we are, it sets off a course, a chain reaction that can't stop. The love that's so difficult for us starts to become unlocked and something that just starts to come naturally because we become like Jesus in this world. And fears kind of keep us back from transformation and fear keeps us back from changing and fear keeps us back from kind of going all the way in. But perfect love drives out fear. So the more we draw towards love, the more we draw towards God, that fear just kind of evaporates. Because when we experience and fully experience how good God is to us, it draws us farther in. And guys, when we start to get to be the hands and the feet of God, I had the incredible privilege of getting to deliver. We know we did this big Thanksgiving dinner. We, we, we collected 105 baskets as a church of 2,150 because we're part of a bigger picture. 2,150 that went out to the surrounding counties and the city and different areas of need. And when we had this big Thanksgiving banquet here, we urged you to bring extra food because we were going to take it to the prologue house, to just a day shelter for people to get off the streets, to wash their clothes, to get a shower, to get help preparing for job interviews. And we got to bring Thanksgiving dinner. We've been doing this every year for about eight to ten years. And it was awesome to watch these guys have Thanksgiving dinner together. Actually, as I was kind of loading the car, you talk about somebody, like, I was loading the car. This is a true story. I had the door open. And I have my doors open. This is the day after the dog incident. And as I'm like, I've got the car full of food, and I hear, woof, woof, woof. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, that pit bull is still loose, and it's following me here. And I'm running. I turn to run to the car, and it was Rob Douglas popping his head around the corner, messing with me. Um, <laughs> totally got me. I really thought the pit bull was just de- destroying all of our dinner. And I was devastated, not only because that would make a mess in my car, but because it is such a joy to the people when we bring the food there. They just celebrate it in such a powerful way. Guys, Thanksgiving dinner happened twice because we gave a little bit. Because we gave a little bit. When we give more, it's multiplied in this world. And I can tell you, it was fun to hang out with you guys on Sunday. But it was more meaningful and more special and more impactful to be a part of delivering that food on Tuesday. Right? When we get to be a part of giving God's love out to a world that is messy and in need, we get to experience the emotions that God did as he pours out into that. And we get to be a part of it. And it's transformative to us. It's transformative to us. 
So I challenge you, because we are going to deal with people that are a burden to you over the Christmas season. I promise you that. But that challenges you, the, in, the nature of how we love. How we love, the way we love is a reflection of how we know God. The more we know God, the easier it is to love. And when we know God intimately, the quality of our love is more impactful. It becomes less, less selfishly motivated because I'm being moved by God to do more. He has been forgiven much, loves much. He tells a parable once about you know, someone who's been forgiven a great debt and someone who's been forgiven a small debt. And he kind of asks the obvious question, who do you think loves their master more? And he's like, well, the one who's been forgiven the greater debt. And my question when I read that story is, do I really believe that the woman who was a prostitute had a greater debt to be forgiven or was she just more aware of how much she had been forgiven? Because I think that story's for all of us to say, not to say, oh, I should go out and if I've been forgiven a lot, I should love a lot. I think it's to say, I should be aware of just how forgiven I am because when I'm aware of how loved I am, it is transformative towards how much grace I should have to give out to the world because I've been poured over my life in an immense way. And when it's been poured over me in an immense way, I have a river flowing from me because I've been forgiven so much. Let the incarnation remind us of how much we've been forgiven and what a joy it is to get to participate and be in God's hands and feet to love the world around us. Because we're not worthy of that role. We're not worthy of being messengers of the God on high, sharing his good news with the world. But he said, I don't care about your mess. I want you to be the messengers. We love with the power of God at work in us. Here's the cool thing about being loved by God. What we give to the world is infused with God's power. What we have to give is so minor. But what God does through us can be multiplied. He loves powerfully through us in an incredible way. So when we love somebody, we're not just kind of inviting them into like our house and our own capacity. We're inviting them into the family of God where they will be touched by God on high with all that's available to him, which is so much deeper than we could ever hope to love someone. Here's the qualities of his love. And here's the things. If we tap into who God is in our lives, these qualities are available to the way that we love. Yes, we love conditionally, but we have the capacity in Jesus Christ to start to love unconditionally, to say, I can love this person even if they never say thank you. And you know what? I can, I can receive God, thank you from God. I can turn to God for my satisfaction. That I don't have to bear a grudge for the rest of my life that that person snubbed me. Because in God, I have the ability to give unconditionally. But we have to tap into that because our human nature just will pull us right back to conditional love. We have the capacity to love sacrificially, to give more than we think we have the capacity to give. And God says, I can meet your needs because I gave everything and I replenished it. We have the capacity to love eternally. What do I mean by that? The love that we pour out on God lasts forever. It will stand for all time. And the impact of God's love on this world will stand for all time. Other things will fade. Other things will pass away. But what God does through his love in this world will last forever. We are a part of eternal love when we take part in this. And that's incredible. We leave legacies of following God behind. You know, in this, and I just want to say a quick thing about this because it would be remiss for me to avoid it. This doesn't mean that we don't set boundaries for people who are unhealthy in our lives. This doesn't mean that we don't self-care. This doesn't mean that we don't need to, those things are all very, very real. And I, and I mean that sincerely. You know, being walked on isn't love. That's not what I mean. I don't mean like if your parents are manipulative and abusive that you should just kind of go in with whatever they want. But I do think that the capacity and the nature and the way we love them 
can love them well, even in the midst of setting good boundaries. In fact, good boundaries are part of love. But remember, we love out of being loved. So we don't need from the people that we're loving in the same way if we're receiving from the God in that way. It frees us. It doesn't put us in a burden of being walked on. It puts us in a place of freedom to say, I can still love you even when you're being difficult. Just a few challenges this morning. And, and, you know, what does it mean to receive the gift of love this Christmas season? A couple things to think about. And more than, like, just usually I leave you with a lot of questions. I kind of want to leave you with just things to think about. Drink deeply from the love of God. If you want to experience love this Christmas season, drink deeply from the love of God. It's the first and primary place. It's the one place that will satisfy no matter what. You might not get the gift you wanted. They might not play the right Hallmark movie for you at the right time. But they're all the same, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, but we have available to us the love of God being poured out on us, and all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. Allow God to expand who you love this holiday season. Who are the people that are difficult for you? Who are the people that you walk right by? Who are the people that it's easy to kind of miss? And let God say, God, give me your eyes for the people that I'm in my circle this Christmas season. The people that it's easy for me to miss, let me see your face on them as I as I walk towards them. Let that reorient how I love them this holiday season. Allow God to expand the depth of your love. Say, God, I know in my weakness that I love conditionally, I love selfishly, and I love with a very short-sighted mindset, but God, with your capacity, I want to love unconditionally. I want to love sacrificially. I want to love eternally. And Lord, you, that's how you love And I want to reflect to you, Jesus, you are in me. You're able to love through me. Let the world receive love through me in that way. Set what I, the meager offerings that I bring and set it on fire to have eternal impact. But help me to love with a greater, deeper quality to the way that I love the people in my life. Ask God for more of all of it. Instead of a question, that's a challenge. Ask God for more of all of it. Maybe one of these really triggers one that you're really struggling with, but we all need more of all of it, don't we? Let that be your prayer for love this holiday season, that I want to drink deeply, and I want to allow God to expand who I love and how I love. As always, if you have questions, you can text in Mark's phone. Pray with me as the worship team comes back up. Father God, I just thank you so much for the incredible ways that you've loved us, and the ways that you continually love us, the ways that you love us from the moment we wake up through, the, through every waking minute and every sleeping minute of our day, Lord, you love us more than we could possibly comprehend. Lord, I pray that this holiday season, that each person sitting here would have a greater capacity to understand just how deep and how high and how wide and how long the love that you pour out on us are, how transformational it is. Lord, I pray that that love would be so at work in each one of us that you would change things deep in the core of who we are. You would allow us to love others with a different sense. Lord, I love the picture of the gospel that we saw in Michael Carter Jr. And I pray for that, that Lord, we look at the world and say, that's my family. That's my family. Lord, because I know how loved I am, I can hold my arms wide open. Lord, I pray that you would give us that same attitude, that same heart to expand who we love and that you would expand how we love. Lord, I thank you so much that you love us in a transformational way. In Jesus' name, amen.